0: Hello, podcast listeners. Today, market's pretty bred across the board because it's going to be an interesting day to say when it's all said and done for today, but we still got things to always talk about here like we always do on this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about Best Buy. They just reported earnings, and it's, not a, it's, it's quite impressive what Best Buy was able to do this quarter, especially during what is known as the retail apocalypse right now. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to be talking about how McDonald's in Russia McDonald's and Starbucks are pulling out of Russia officially and what that means for both of these companies going forward. We're then going to be talking about how JP Morgan rallies 6% on interest outlook despite cost questions. Okay, JP Morgan seems to have a positive outlook on what's going to happen to the economy potentially. Well, at the same time, JP Morgan is kind of like the head honcho when it comes to banks currently right now. So It'll be interesting to talk about that a little bit. And then finally, we got to talk about how some people believe that there is a buffer to the world uh, economy based off if there is a recession in the making and how that is also going to tie it into about how there might be other issues that they're not looking at currently. It's one of those situations, again, where one article was released and then a second article was released a few hours later or earlier. So we're getting mixed reports. And so we're going to talk about that today. But before we begin, I have to remind you all again, as always, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for entertainment purposes and for information for those who wish to seek it out. If you are going to make financial decisions, please continue continue to do your own research. And also please go talk to your financial advisor as they understand your financial situation a little bit better than I would currently. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. From CNBC today, Best Buy says softer demand is sticking around, but company isn't planning for a recession. That's good news to hear from Best Buy. So let's begin. Best Buy reported lower sales in its fiscal first quarter, and the retail lowered its outlook for the year, citing soft softer demand that doesn't appear to be letting up. That trend has continued into the beginning of Q2. And it does not appear that it will, it will abate in the near term. Best Buy CEO Corey Berry said on an analysis call Tuesday, the economic landscape has worsened since the company provided guidance at investors day earlier this year, but while Best Buy is factoring that into its outlook, Barry said the company isn't planning for a full recession. Even as consumers watch their budgets, she said, Best Buy is selling merchandise and has become more central to their lives. Sales in the company for fiscal first quarter didn't decline as sharply as Wall Street had expected. Quote, consumer electronics over time is a stable industry, Barry said. The last two years have clearly underscored the importance of tech in people's lives. So I think it's important for us to have that as a backdrop. Shares were up 1% after rising about 9% before the market opened. Here's how retailer did in the three-month period ending. April 30th compared with Wall Street was anticipating, according to a survey of analysis by Refinitiv. Earnings per share was $1.57 adjusted versus $1.61 expected. Revenue was $10.65 billion versus $10.41 billion expected. Best Buy said it now anticipates full-year revenue ranging between $48.3 billion to $49.9 billion compared with a prior outlook of $49.3 billion to $50.8 billion. It said same-store sales will decline between 3% and 6%, a bigger drop than the 1% to 4% decrease it previously forecast. It expects adjusted earnings per shares to range from $8.40 to $9, down from the prior outlook of $8.85 to $9.15. Best Buy's quarterly net income fell to $341 million, or $1.49 per share, down from $595 million, or $2.32 per share a year earlier, excluding items, it earned an adjusted $1.61 per share. Then finally, net sales fell to $10.41 from $11.64 a year earlier. Same source sales for Best Buy declined by 8% versus the year ago period. A better performance than 8.6% drop. That analysis expected according to FactSet. Now, they say in this article too, and I think it's important to talk about a little bit. It says investors have uh, soured, no, Correction, investors have scored retailers' earnings for clues at the health of the American consumer amid soaring inflation. With Best Buy, some worried the company would particularly would be particularly vulnerable. It faced tough comparisons against the year-ago quarter of pandemic-fueled demand for computer monitors, kitchen appliances, and more. That caused same-store sales to jump in that period by 37.3%. Now, we know last week Walmart and Target reported earnings. And one thing that Target had mentioned in their call was People weren't buying as many TVs. And so Best Buy was kind of in the shaky situation going into this quarter. But Best Buy seems to have weathered at least this part of the storm for the quote-unquote retail apocalypse that's happening right now with inflation. But I am curious to know going forward what's going to happen with Best Buy because they, they, they say in this article that, and I think we just read it earlier, that Electronics tend to be a stable investment during recessions. I can agree and I can also disagree with that. And the reason I say that is if people's budgets get tighter, they're not going to be buying as much electronic goods. Now, granted, maybe some people will, right? Like we always know there's those diehard fans of Apple who will always be willing to buy the latest and greatest phone as soon as it comes out. But then there's some of us who would think, maybe I won't be buying the new phone just yet. Maybe I can hold on a little bit more. And and like we said, Target had said that people weren't buying as many TVs at Target, okay? Now, eventually that could translate over to Best Buy or maybe people are still going to Best Buy to buy the electronics because they consider it to be cheaper at Best Buy. Who knows at the end of the day? But it needs to be pointed out that I have a hard time believing that electronics will be able to stay stable if we are entering this recession that we keep hearing about or at least I've been able to talk about a little bit on this podcast. I personally think that if a recession were to happen, that Best Buy is going to get hit because everything gets hit during a recession. And the other thing too is there's still considered a chip shortage right now too. And if there really is a chip shortage, that means anything in phones and laptops are going to be affected by it. So keep an eye out for Best Buy. Continue going forward, guys. Q2 is around the corner. So just keep an eye out for that on to mcdonald's now golden arches come down near moscow as mcdonald's russia rebrand begins workers removed the trademark golden arches signed from a mcdonald's restaurant just north of moscow on monday as the first stage of rebranding of the fast food company outlet started in russia days after announced plans to exit the world's largest burger chain is selling its restaurants in russia to one of its local licenses Who will rebrand them under a new name that has yet to be announced, ending more than three decades in the country? McDonald's has said it will retain its trademarks. The yellow arches stood on the ground outside the restaurant in uh, Kihimki, a town near Moscow. It's not clear if work to remove the logo from other branches across the country was already underway. McDonald's had in March decided to close its restaurants in the country, including the Pushkin Square location in central Moscow, that had been a symbol of flourishing American capitalism in the dying embers of the Soviet Union. The, apart- the departure of McDonald's is one of the most high profile so far in opposition to what Russia calls its special operation in neighboring Ukraine. Not only is McDonald's leaving, but Starbucks is as well, because it says Starbucks to exit Russia nearly after nearly 15 years. Starbucks Corp said on Monday, it will exit the Russian market after nearly 15 years as the coffee chain joins McDonald's Corp and making the end of its presence of some top some of the top Western brands in the country. Seattle based Starbucks has 130 stores in Russia operating by its license Alicia group with nearly 2000 employees in the country. Starbucks decision to wind down its operation in Russia is different to the approach some other foreign companies have taken. We're not gonna talk about McDonald's, we just talked about that. A slew of other Western companies, including Imperial Brands and Shell, are cutting ties with Russia market by agreeing to sell their assets in the country or handling them over to local managers. In March, Starbucks shuttered its stores and suspended all business activity in Russia, including the shipment of its products to the country following Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. So this is what I am curious to know about, too. And I actually looked this up a little bit. So Starbucks, we just learned, has about 130 stores in Russia which if you look at Starbucks's revenue that they make based around the world, about 1% of the revenue comes from Russia. Okay. So at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal for Starbucks to be leaving. I mean, maybe people in Russia get a little bit more grumpy because they don't have their Starbucks drink in the morning. I mean, I would hate to see how Americans would be if that were to happen in our own country, but we also have like, I think, 15,000 stores of Starbucks in the United States, whereas Russia only has 130. But the McDonald's one's a little bit more interesting because, according to Russian news outlet RIA Novosti, a number of McDonald's restaurants are owned by franchisees and they've remained open, while the mass majority of McDonald's restaurants in Russia are company operated. So, over 100 of its nearly 850 locations are run by franchisees. So for the most part most of McDonald's is run by the corporation McDonald's. And what's also interesting is if you actually look up the numbers of how much McDonald's was losing in Russia, they were losing about 55 million each month. And this was reported in May 16th of 2022 that they're losing about 55 million each month uh and it, it's pretty much lost 100 million worth of inventory in the country as well. So I'm curious to know how McDonald's shares are going to react when they report earnings next. Uh, are they going to be taking a hit? Is the company going to blame if they have a not so positive outlook on their shares for the quarter? I wonder if they're going to be blaming. Oh, because we had to pull out of Russia. Well, that's only 850 locations in total. That's like virtually nothing. It's hard to tell. I mean, Starbucks will probably use that same excuse too, even though only 1% of its revenue comes from Russia. But it's always interesting to see what CEOs or what they will say in their conference calls that will determine what what causes them to lose revenue in the quarter. And I, I honestly do believe when we if we do read their next report that they will blame leaving Russia as the reason. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal that McDonald's and Starbucks are leaving Russia. I mean, it's not going to like affect their economy in any way, shape, or form. They're just losing restaurants. I mean, ooh, it's so scary. They're, they're, they're going to lose their Big Macs and their cappuccinos or their uh, whatever Starbucks drinks. I don't drink a lot. I don't drink Starbucks, so I don't know their products as well as I should. But it's just, I mean, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But it's, I'm still curious to know if they're going to mention because of pulling out of Russia that they lose money. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that because I'm going to get a good chuckle out of that. If that actually does happen, we lost money because we pulled out of Russia. Oh, well. Next one. J.P. Morgan rallies 6% on interest outlook despite cost questions from Rudders. J.P. Morgan Chase lifted its forecast for interest income and affirmed its profitability target at the investor conference on Monday, sending its stock 6% higher despite persistent questions about how much more it will spend on its business. The country's largest lender said it expects the net interest income, or the NII, excluding markets of $56 billion in 2022. It had earlier forecast that the figure would reach a couple billion more than $53 billion in 2022, up from its $50 billion outlook in January. Investors are keeping a close eye on the prospect for banks to earn more from net interest income, the difference between income from loans and interest paid on deposits and other funds as they benefit from higher interest rates. JP Morgan shares rose steadily on Monday, closing up 6.2% as investors digested the good news that the bank made its case for increasing its expenses. Shares of other big banks rose sharply too. JP Morgan scheduled the conference after it surprised investors in January when it said it would allow expenses to increase eight percent to six billion. The bank is a leader in many of its businesses and has been profitable than peers, but the success has raised doubts among investors about the ability to grow profits further. JP Morgan chief executive officer Jamie Dimon and other executives spent much of the much of the day trying to reassure investors that expenditures on technology, new products, and marketing were necessary where necessaries to stay ahead of the competitors and would pay off long-term, but some analysis remained unconvinced. Quote, the bottom line is that you have to still spend a lot of money this year, analysis Matt O'Connor of Duchess Bank told Diamond. Are you doing too much all at once, he asked. Diamond, known for a straight, straight talking style, bristled. Quote, we just spent the whole day trying to answer that question, he responded, adding, we showed you the opportunity for 2023 JP Morgan expects the investment spending growth rate will moderate but its 2022 expense forecast was has was kept unchanged at 77 billion executives said JP Morgan is spending to hire bankers and to recruit new customers in wealth management commercial lending and business payments both in the United States and increasingly abroad i'm curious to know because banks do have to report to the US government soon and they have to do their, what's known as their stress test. Stress test happens in June and these tests allow banks to pretty much show the U S government and its regulators that if a quote unquote recession were to happen, would the banks survive? Okay. And they can't, and unless they pass the test, these banks apparently can't raise their dividend and they also can't uh, repurchase their stock buybacks as well. I think they've been doing this since 2008 the 2007-2008 financial crisis when the banks almost collapsed. But it's still, I mean, that's about, I think it's two weeks away when they start reporting these. And I can tell you this much, Wall Street's probably gonna get a little bit nervous leading up into this one, okay? Because this will give us an idea if we are gonna have back-to-back potential quarters of negative out, um, potential negative growth in the economy or just no growth at all. And so... Banks are going to be reporting these soon with these stress tests. Now, maybe these stress tests will actually help Wall Street start rallying back up into what the market was before everything just started turning red across the board. But who knows at the end of the day. one It's just something that you always have to pay attention out for. And a lot of people don't know that these stress tests are happening. They happen every year in June. This is why sometimes you'll read articles about how JP Morgan, or Wells Fargo, or Bank of America, or Goldman Sachs are raising their dividend and their buybacks because they have to go through the stress test. So that's another huge thing we need to keep out for. And it's only about two weeks away. I think it starts June 1st, if I'm not mistaken. I need to look more into that because it's something I always pay attention to because it gives me an idea of how the banks are doing. And it will give us a better idea too about if there is this quote unquote recession coming that they keep telling us, How will we do if the recession does come, but let's say these banks actually do pass their tests when they have them, then is the recession gonna be as bad as we think it's gonna be? I don't know. These are questions to think about and we don't have answers to it currently right now. So speaking of recessions now, and this is where everything I just talked about is gonna sound the complete opposite and negative, but I also have a hard time believing certain people because like I said, we got to know what the bank tests that are going to happen, that if there were, if we are in recession, what could happen, right? But according to the world economy, quoting, correction, the article states, World economy has buffer against recession, says IMFs go pinneth, from Switzerland, Reuters. While the world economy faces headwinds, current growth forecasts offer a buffer against potential global recessions. The International Monetary Fund number 2 official said Monday. Among the major threats to the economic growth, IMF First Deputy Managing Director Gita Gopinath told Rudders that the conflict in Ukraine could escalate, adding, you could have sanctions and counter sanctions. Gopinath said in an interview on the sideline of the World Economic Forum in the Swiss resort of Davos, Davos that the other challenges, including inflation, a tightening of interest rates by central banks, and a slowdown in Chinese growth. Or the shutdown of China. And we'll cover that in a second quote. So all these proverb downside risk to our forecasts," Gopinath said with reference to the IMF's 2022 growth forecast issued last month, or 3.6%, a downgrade from a 4.4% estimate in January. I would say at 3.6%, there is a buffer, she said, conceding, however, that risks are uneven around the world. There are countries that are getting hit hard, countries in Europe that are getting hit hard by the war, where we could see technical recessions, Gopinath added. Gopinath said inflation will remain significantly above central bank targets for a while, adding it is very important for central bankers around the world to deal with inflation as a clear and present danger that is something they need to deal with in a very forceful manner. Continuing the quote, financial conditions could tighten much more rapidly than we've already seen and growth in China is slowing, she added. The U.S. Federal Reserve is leading the charge among the largest central banks with two rate hikes so far this year. Its second and half a percentage point was the largest in 22 years. At least two more of that size were expected at coming meetings. Now, I have a hard time believing that we have this buffer for a recession. And like I said just earlier, it kind of goes against, well, what happens if the banks pass their stress tests, like we just talked about? and the only reason i don't believe we have this buffer right now and it has to do with some past articles obviously that we've read we know that people are consuming more on gas this year it was 3800 3, a year ago it's now 5000 now some reports are saying it was 2800 a year ago and it's still 5000 okay it just depends on what article you're reading inflation's at 8.3% the housing market is cooling off China is technically still in lockdowns because they have a zero COVID, uh, I think it's like zero COVID policy, meaning they can't have a single COVID, positive person in COVID. And this is where it leads into about China because she's saying China's growth is slowing, but in reality, it's more like China's not moving. China lockdowns, war risk derailing go- global jobs recovery. From ILO Berlin Reuters the global job market is at risk of doing a U-turn on its path towards recovering to pre-COVID-19 levels as lockdowns in China and the war in Ukraine wound on the economies. The International Labor Organization said in a report on Monday, the UN agency estimated that there was a equivalent of 112 million fewer full-time jobs in the first quarter of 2022 compared with pre-COVID levels. And there was a growing but uncertain risk that the amount of hours worked would continue to decline over 2022. China accounted for 86% of the dip in working hours due to containment measures to stop the spread of COVID-19, according to the report. And global supply chain disruptions exacerbated by the war in Ukraine threatens to lead to a further decline. ILO Director General Guy Ryder told journalists that the figures likely do not capture the effect of the Ukraine war. The ILO, which said the outlook was increasingly clouded, now forecasts there will be equivalent of 123 million fewer full-time jobs versus pre-COVID levels in the second quarter. Quote, there is a very real danger that the next couple, that the next monitor, whether we produce it, will be quoting figures that will represent quite a sharp deterioration in labor market conditions, Ryder said. Rising inflation driven mainly by energy prices and supply chain issues, also pose a risk of stalling the economy and jobs recovery if the workers' incomes do not keep step, the, the ILO said. The overall risk of wage price spiral in the near future is low. The UN agency added, pointing out that the real wages grew more slowly in 2021 than they had before the pandemic. At the end of the day, it's really hard to know what to believe currently right now. I mean, even when I'm reporting this stuff, at least when I can, or at least talking about it on this podcast, it's hard to know what the truth is currently right now. I mean, we can read articles about how inflation is ruining everything. We can read articles that everything's totally fine. We're being told by politicians in the United States currently right now that there's no recession. Everything's fine. Everything's completely normal. It doesn't seem normal at all. Okay. Especially like, we, we've talked about gas too. Gas was $3.04 a year ago. Now, apparently it's at $4.50 across the nation. Obviously, California is a little different. In Los Angeles, it's its highest $7. In parts of California, it's $6. I mean, what's there to believe at this point? China's shutting China's shut down still. They have a zero COVID policy right now. So things aren't moving as much. We get a lot of our supply stuff from China. We get a lot of fertilizer from Russia. That's not happening, obviously, right now with the sanctions that are happening. Gas isn't going from Russia to the European Union because they have to put those sanctions on. At least they're claiming they're doing that. We also know, too, that corn and wheat are huge exports from Ukraine and Russia. The United States should be able to handle that situation because we export just almost as much as Ukraine and Russia, not combined, obviously, but still could be an issue. I mean, the other thing too, to think about, too, is Sri Lanka is having a lot of problems, too. And we've talked about that in a past podcast about how Sri Lanka might be on the verge of collapse. So what's the truth out there right now? It's hard to tell. And to be honest, they're probably not going to tell us the truth. Because if they did, it would probably cause a panic across the entire, not only nation, but the world, potentially. I mean, think about it, too. Baby food shortages are happening. They had, to, they had to fly in baby food from Europe to the United States to handle the shortage because ABOT Laboratories is about six or eight weeks away. Well, probably now five to seven weeks away from it to actually being on the shelves. It, it's hard to tell right now. It really is. And there's just so much going on. And the best we can do is keep talking about it because... I I think smart people are going to realize where we really are right now currently. And I think those people who would just want to keep burying their heads in the sand are just going to be in complete denial. But we'll know soon. Banks are going to report, like I said, that stress test soon. And second quarter, and the second quarter, I believe, ends in June. And then we get those reports starting in July. So just things to continue to keep an eye out for to see if we're really going to be hitting this recession that we keep talking about whether it's through articles or just talking about on this podcast, but a lot of stuff just reminds me of 2008 right now in 2009. It just, it just reminds me gas prices being high. Filling up a tank is a lot of money. Food seems to be going up. So I don't know. Keep an eye out for that, for that guys. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you did enjoy it. If you think other people would enjoy it as well, I ask that you please share these podcasts with friends or family, so that we can continue to grow this podcast. I really enjoy making this content guys for you guys as much as possible. And I think other people would enjoy it as well. And the more we spread the word out, the more we can grow this podcast and be able to keep talking more about what's happening in the economies around the world, or just in the stock market in general. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you. And goodbye.